Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so roster of the McCutcheon Mavericks. We're going to hear about them. Uh, my my beard-stroking team of the year. I'm very curious about those guys. See what year two's looking like on the south side at Ellison. Right now, though, let's get started. Uh, it's need-to-know news time. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, let's get started. Uh, yesterday, we touched on it. Boiler golfer uh, Nick Dentino comes up short in his match play in the round of 64 at the U.S. Amateur. Finishing five and three. Battled back after losing those first three holes. Got it to about a one-hole differential to at hole nine. Then he'd go and lose four of those next six, and uh, that would do him in, unfortunately. Still, good job to make it to match play, man. Still pretty good. Uh, Nick Magrill hits a solo homer in the eighth, followed by Christopher Morell's three-run walk-off homer. Uh, and the Cubs come back to win from three down. They beat the White Sox four to three. Wrigley absolutely electric in the ninth. Gotta feel bad for Mike Clevenger. Seven innings, seven strikeouts, three hits allowed, no runs. Goes out with a three-run lead, and he comes out with a no decision. Heck of an effort for nothing. Javier Assad steps up for Marcus Stroman, who wasn't able to go with some discomfort in his ribs. Cubs were hopeful that he was going to be good to go for the start. He threw a bullpen session on Sunday, and it seemed like everything was okay, but apparently not. Sod's line, four hits, two earned, three allowed on four strikeouts. Pretty solid. Mike Fulmer came in for the hold, man. I'll tell you what, struck out all three batters in the innings that he was in. Cody Bellinger bounces back from back-to-back hitless games to go two for four. And, of course, Morell with the moment of the night, two for four and three RBIs. As for the White Sox, good start. The bullpen lets it down. Gavin Sheets, two-run homer. Thursday's slow, man. Six games, none of which include your Chicago baseball teams. The Cubs are going to play early tomorrow. They're at home against the Royals, uh, 2-20. James Italian is on the mound, taking on Cole Raggins. Cubs have uh, been riding a six-game winning streak when tie-in starts, but that came to an end last weekend. The disastrous performance against the Blue Jays. He gave up eight runs and three innings in that one. Uh, Raggins, hot and cold lefty, who was acquired by Kansas City in a trade with the Rangers. Cubs are right in the middle of the league when hitting lefties. Cody Bellinger, uh, outstanding, though. 333 on the season against left-handed pitching. That is the 10th best mark in baseball. As for the White Sox, they're going to pack up. They're going to head to Colorado tomorrow. Michael Kopech faces Peter Lambert. Kopech's 25 homers allowed is seventh worst in baseball. 
And usually, Mile High is not a place that you want to go when that is a stat of yours. Uh, he allowed eight home runs in his last five games. He's also second in the league in walks issued. Former Northwestern football coach Pat Fitzgerald will serve as a parent volunteer for the football program at Loyola Academy. It's the high school in the Chicago suburbs that two of his sons attend. Sons are freshmen and juniors at the school. Fitzgerald's oldest son, Jack, played there before joining Northwestern as a walk-on. Jack remains on Northwestern's roster, does not practice, and is working as a student assistant. All right, Colts and Bears going at it in practice. You know, uh, they've got that game coming up on Saturday, which you can hear on our sister station, 93.5 KHY. That the Colts are going to lose a small piece at wide receiver in Ashton Doolin. Towards ACL, he is headed to the IL. Doolin has logged 55 games for the Colts in his career. 35 catches, 450 yards, and three touchdowns. Meanwhile, no Jonathan Taylor again. Uh, he is off-site. He's rehabbing the ankle, but also he's been excused from team activities with a personal issue. Uh, they say this has nothing to do with the ongoing contract dispute. Shane Steichen uh, didn't have any further comment uh, on that. And that would bring us to today's Need to Know News. Tonight, uh, the Purdue athletic season officially kicks off. You've got the uh, women's team taking on UCF, 24th ranked UCF in soccer tonight. It is free to attend uh, those games out at Volk Field, 7 o'clock uh, with the match start, it will be packed and a thunder stick giveaway tonight. If you want to get on out there and root on the women's soccer team, I'll be out there working the PA. So come on out. A lot of fun. Look, if it's half as fun as that uh, USC game was last year with the Vuvuzelas and all that, you are in for an absolute treat then. Uh, Trying to look at some plays for you here for this evening. I mean, it's it's six baseball games. And there's not a whole lot that I feel like you're going to get super excited about. There's a few hot hitters. Justin Turner is 381 uh, versus Patrick Corbin. He's hitting 269 this month. He has a hit in 27 of his last 31 games. Uh, Mookie continues to be very good. He gets Corbin Burns tonight. He's 333 lifetime there. Mookie's hitting 377 in August. Hits in 19 of his last 20. One plus hits in three of his last four games against Milwaukee as well. Freddie Freeman remains very, very good. I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm almost just. Like, just play Mookie and Freddie both to hit. Take your minus 150 and, and make some make some coin. I mean, both those guys have been very good. He's a 300 hitter against Burns. He's 393 this month. Those are the dudes. But it's a very, very uh, thin slate this season. Or, uh, I'm sorry, this Thursday uh, with uh, with baseball. It just stinks. Like, Casey and um, 
Seattle are going on right now. Boston and Washington starts in less than an hour. You got two 715 games, a 940, and a 1010. Ugh. You do have some, uh, you do have a little bit of NFL that you can get into tonight if you want to. It's Browns Eagles. Eagles are a four point favorite at home. Over under is at 35 and a half. I've done no leg work on this. I will give you no great endorsements. Plus, uh, it looks like that there is rain in the forecast at Lincoln Financial Field tonight. We'll see what happens. But yeah, it's just, it's a real off day. I wish we had some great trends. Uh, I wish we had some guys to target. It's just, uh, it's not, it's not happening tonight. And best not to force those things. We'll be locked loaded. We'll be ready to go for tomorrow. Not a bad time to start researching your future bets as well. We talked a little bit about that. I, I told you the Anthony Richardson one, the offensive rookie of the year and also leader in the INTs. I like that, but yeah, I I don't know what you do for tonight. It's on NFL Network. Look, I'm just happy to get something here. I'm just happy to get some NFL football. Of course, I won't be watching. I'll be out watching. I'll be watching this women's soccer team tonight. Much more fun, right? We can take a break. We're gonna come back. Josh Strasser, McCutcheon Mavericks head football coach. Right? I'm very interested in this team. What they got cooking for year two. They had some issues last year. I think they were undersized on that line at times. A uh, little young at some of the skill positions as well. They're bringing back the, you know, arguably the conference's best quarterback. There's a lot. They got a lot of good stuff going for them. And it's year two in the program here. We're going to talk with Coach Strasser. He's next. This is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show, 1017 The Hammer and 1017 TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessalitis. Continuing to get excited for Friday night. Week one of high school football is upon us. And our next guest here will be leading the McCutcheon Mavericks against Garen Catholic. They're going to be playing at home on the south side, 7 p.m. with that first kickoff. Uh, Josh Strasser is with us. Coach, how are you? Hey, doing great, Jared. Uh, you know, really fired up for opener this weekend at home. And, uh, you know, the team's getting excited. So, we are, uh, you know, we're really excited to get this get this season underway. Uh, you know, I think a lot to learn in that first season. I know you finished three and seven. It's a field goal away from being four and six. That I, I still that Logansport game still, man, is uh, I, it's rough for me. I'll imagine what it's like for you guys. But uh, you know, you you did so much right when you got in there. I remember talking to you and took the job and everything about getting you know the middle school programs all on the same in in. You know, the summer programs, and you got to get the, the weightlifting schedule, all this stuff. And, and you're trying to build this whole thing, this whole culture, get this all structured and stuff. It's a lot to take on. Uh, what did you take away from that first season? Personally, as a coach, you you know, it's it's new to you at uh, this level. But, I mean, you, you've got 10 years of head coaching, going into your 10th year of head coaching here. So, uh, what you learn last year? Yeah, well, you know, the first thing is, you know, it's hard to build a house without a blueprint. And it's hard to lay the foundation without knowing what that blueprint needs to look like. 
Um, so that's what we looked at year one was. Year one was a, a, an opportunity for us to get to know our kids and establish our what we feel is important for our kids to be able to be successful on Friday nights. And so, you know, going through the season, we were able to, you know, trials and tribulations, and I, I really believe you got to go through the storm sometimes um, in order to get to the, the good weather um, and, and see that sunlight. So, you know, that's what year one was for us. And, you know, working with a brand-new staff, working with this, um, w- with all of our players and this roster, being able to find out what, what's important for us and what we can do. So um, that, that was really important for us. And most importantly, I, I pressed our coaches to build relationships with our kids, and we've done a phenomenal job at that and continue to. And, and then we start to layer on top of that. So, you know, last year we were able to get our foundation of our offense and our defense established. And now we can start to build that house. Uh, a good finish for you guys there too. Uh, you know, Tech and, and Marion, uh, two wins, very lopsided wins. Uh, on top of that, and you know, you guys were in that Decatur Central sectional game there for quite some time uh, as well. How has the off season reaction been? How have the numbers uh, been for you guys? And really, uh, what kind of feedback have you been getting here from your players during the winter and into the spring? Yeah, our, our kids are working really hard, and, and they're focused on the process, and, and that's a tribute to, to my staff and how they were doing things. You know, we, we don't put any game as a, as a focus. We, we just focus on daily excellence right now, and I, I really believe that if you get better daily, um, the, those extra things like wins and trophies and all those things will eventually come and, and fall into place, but you know, it, it's important that, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get the process established and get really good at, at who we are and what we're trying to do. So, um, you know, our kids, are, they, they work phenomenal. And, and they know how the games went last year. They know we were competitive and, um, you know, most first halves. And, and that, that's one thing that, that we're pressing is, you know, we're, we've got to be a fourth-quarter team this year. We've got to be a team that, you know, responds well uh, to adversity and, and we have better second halves. How has the leadership structure for your kids been? Talk a little bit about uh, some of your upperclassmen here and, and some of the guys that you've been leaning on here to get that message to the rest of your players. Well, you know, the one focus of our, our, our program is that we're developing, and we're developing all players. So when you get graduation, you know, it's just a door opening up for the next class. And, and we're starting to see that with this group of seniors that now they're now it's their turn to step out of the shadows. Now it's their turn to to lead this team, but we're not just pushing our seniors to be leaders. We're pushing our underclassmen to be leaders as well. So we see a lot of, lot of opportunity, and we see a lot of guys taking advantage of the opportunity to step up and be leaders and, and get their shot. And um, that's what we're going to see on Friday night. We're going to see a lot of guys getting their, getting their opportunity, getting their shot to lead this team. Uh, for me, and what I watch this, uh, go back and I, I look at what we did last year with you guys, uh, it seems like, you know, hey, the offense was there at times. It seems like it was uh, able to click. I mean, so the 41 against Tech and the 37 against Marion in October, you know, was uh, still a 37 against Muncie Central. And even some of the games where, you know, you don't get the Ws, you're still talking double-digit points. Um, are you going to be able to have that kind of consistency, you think, this year on offense to where uh, you're not so much, you're not putting so much pressure on the defense. Uh, the offense is going to be able to continue to carry some of that load. Yeah, I really think there's a, there's a lot of firepower on our offense. We've got a lot of guys that are capable of uh, making big plays for us, and we're not just talking one or two. 
You know, we've got three really good running backs in the backfield that we're going to be rotating. We've got four or five receivers that we're going to be rotating. We've got a senior quarterback that's returning that, you know, led the NCC in passing yards last year. So there's a lot of firepower there. And not only that, there's a lot of hunger to push this team forward. So, you know, our, our offense, you know, year two, uh, our, our co-offensive coordinators, you know, Coach Barron and Cruiser are doing a phenomenal job of layering this offense. You know, we set the foundation last year. Now we can layer it and add even more pieces of what we, what we were able to do last year. So we're really excited about how the offense has developed and where we're going and, and what we have. Talk Coach Josh Rosser here on our Hammerhead Hotline. The Mavericks taking on Garen Catholic at home this Friday night, 7 o'clock. Let's switch the defense. Like I said, uh, some tough sledding last year for the defense, but you know, teams like Garen, specifically West Lafayette, we, we know what kind of an up-tempo offense and how good that uh, they can be. You know, same thing with uh, teams like Jeff. I know they struggled at times, but again, a, a good finish down the stretch in October. It seemed like some stuff started to uh, finally click with them. What are you trying to do to build on uh, the success for year two specifically? And, uh, you know, how, how improved do you think this defense can be this year? Yeah, you know it's really tough to compete with uh, good football teams if you can't if you can't compete with them up front, and it's all done in the trenches on offensive line, defensive line. We we struggled with that last year on both sides of the ball. Um, we we've put a lot of effort into that on our def- on our offensive side, and a lot of effort into that on our defensive side, and and we've seen a ton of growth, um, not just you know mentally, uh, but physically. You know our our guys have hit the weight room very hard. Uh, these past six eight months, and uh, and we're we're going to see the difference on Friday nights. Uh, we we've got several guys that have just done a phenomenal job in the weight room with Coach Rumler. Not only is he our defensive coordinator, but he's our strength conditioning coach, and he he has pushed our team to another level, and will continue to do that. So that that's first and foremost. We've got to be able to win up front and, and establish that line of scrimmage and. And that's what we were pushing for, and that, and that's one of our number one goals. That's always I thought like you know one of the calling cards of these McCutcheon programs. Of course, I'm going into year 15, but I mean, it always seemed like anytime you came out here, that was I knew one thing was going to be for certain. There there were going to be some big old dudes, uh, you know, up on that line. And I know you guys dealt with a lot of injuries and stuff last year as well. But I, I think you're right in saying. Uh, you guys were probably you were a little mismatched in some uh, ways on uh, I thought both the lines at times too, which is a little bit shocking. It's not something that I saw in the last couple of years, but I think getting back to that will really really improve what you guys want to do on both sides of the ball, won't it? Yeah, and you know we were severely undersized on both sides of the line last year, um, and, and you know I would say in most games we were, uh, and so that that's something that uh, we we've seen some of our younger guys that have, um, you know, they've grown up, they've worked harder in the weight room, and they, they've established themselves on, on either side of the ball. So that, that's definitely something that has that size has not been here lately. And uh, we're starting to see some of that size come back, some of that size get established uh, either as an offense or defensive starter for us. Uh, you know, we talk about wins and losses and, uh, you know, trying to weather the storm. I know this is a really rough first couple of games with Garen and uh, and West Lafayette, and you're continuing to improve here. So, um, if look, it's life, and I understand that the scoreboard is the scoreboard, but I know you as coaches uh, have your own scoreboard on how to judge 
how this team performs and, and what you're uh, you know happy with in, in the progress. So uh, what are some of those benchmarks that you're looking for week one against Garen out of your team? Yeah, well, we know that we've got three ranked opponents in the first four games of this season, and, and that's a challenge. And that's the first thing. One of the things I told our coordinators um, at the end of the week was, our, our growth is going to dictate how this season is going to go. And that the first couple of weeks of that growth um, is very, very critical. So we have to analyze, we have to assess, and we have to be able to, to develop our kids in a, in a situation that we can get better fast uh, because that, that talent's going to be there early on in, in our schedule. And if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. Coach, uh, give me a couple guys on offense, a couple guys on defense here that uh, fans are going to love seeing uh, down there on the south side this season. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the you know traditional names that you've been hearing the past couple years. Um, you know, we've got Owen Smith at quarterback, returning senior. You know, Broderick Arnold, the guy who was second team All Conference last year on both sides of the ball, going to continue to see him step up and and help us on both sides of the ball, but. Man, we got a lot of guys, and I'll tell you one guy we re- we are really high on right now. It's had a phenomenal offseason. Chris Kurtz, uh, Chris Kurtz coming in at six five wide receiver, um, qualified for the regional and track Uh-oh. in the four hundred la- this spring. Uh, guys just come out of nowhere, worked his tail off. Uh, we're really excited to help him. You know, have him help us stretch the football field, um, and then our, our offensive line. Um, you know, they've just you know I, I can't say one name because they've all worked as a unit and helping each other, and I'm really excited. We've got six or seven guys that are really pushing to get on the field right now in that offensive line, and, you know, that, that depth is something we haven't had here in a while. Um, you know, and then we got three solid running backs that just can absolutely light it up and light the scoreboard up for us. And, you know, um, Shamar Ray and Zach Crow and Keon Senior Keon Shibe, those three I'm really excited for on the offensive side. I'm excited to see him as well. Again, this Friday night, you can get on down to the south side at Ellison. It's going to be McCutcheon hosting Garen, the opener, week one. They'll be on the road the next two weeks, but uh, I believe we'll be seeing you uh, week two over at West Lafayette with your uh, old buddies over there, which will be a great game as well. Coach uh, Coach Josh Strasser here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. Again, get out there and support those Mavericks. Coach, hey, best of luck this Friday. Go give them hell. Hey, sounds good. Appreciate it, Jared. Looking forward to It is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017 thehammercom Thank you, Coach Strasser. Uh, great job there putting us up on the McCutcheon Mavericks, who, again, uh, take on Garen here on uh, Friday night. That's the home opener. And, uh, yeah, I'm interested. I'm very interested to see year two. Three and seven last year. Like I said, could have been four and six. Uh, had that uh, Logansport game, that, that kick gone through, it would have been much better. Um, they were in a lot of those games. Like Garen in, in West Lafayette. And they had terrible second halves. So, it, it, there, there's, a, there's a bit of a foundation to build on there. And, and I like that. I think it's very hard to come in uh, you know, I know Josh for quite some time. Uh, I, I know the caliber of coach that he is. Uh, when McCutcheon hired him, uh, I was a little bit worried just because, you know, to go from a place like Delphi to, to McCutcheon, uh, and it's not a slight to, to, to McCutcheon or, uh, Delphi at all, but it, it, it's such a big jump in size that, um, 
you know, you got to rely on on a few more assistants. I mean, there's some generally bigger expectations. There, there's more for you. Uh, there's also a lot more kids and a lot more to do. I uh, was worried about that jump year, you know, in that first year, but I, I think they did a good enough job. I, I really do. And uh, I think they showed a lot of potential at times. And you think of where that program, you know, Ken Frohiger did such an amazing job there for so many years. Uh, but the you know, the last several, tough, especially through COVID. Um, you know, they dealt with a lot of injuries and stuff down the stretch over the last couple of years of, uh, of his tenure there. Uh, but to turn everything around, uh, to get, you know, the middle school programs all buying into what you're doing, uh, you know, the youth programs and, and try to get everybody on the same page so that when the kids show up, uh, you know, you're not, they don't look at you like you're speaking another language. You're trying to get, you know, weight room pro, all that kind of stuff put into place. What you want to do. It's a lot. It's a big undertaking. And then you got to get kids who have been conditioned for so many years to do it one way to do it a different way. It's not easy. So to come away with a three, what probably should have been a four and six record. You know, and some people say, oh, well, you know, you beat Tech and Mary, it's not a big deal. And then they beat Tech and Mary, and I get that, but they also did it the way that they should have done it 41 to 8 and 37 to nothing. Now, it's one thing to get beat by, you know, Jeff the way they did. The Kokomo game was, you know, you're allowed to have a bad game in there. I get it. You're supposed to win those Tech and Marion games, but I don't think anybody thinks that they win those by, you know, 30-plus points. And they did. And you got to credit them for that. It was a good push down the stretch. How do they build off of that in year two? You know, we talk about the offensive line. They've always had a lot of beef up front. They seemed a little outmatched at times this year. Um, you know, they roll out 215, 225, 260, 235, 215. Uh, these are all upperclassmen, three seniors, two juniors. That's not bad. But I'll tell you, uh, what really had my interest here is the talk about uh, Chris Kurtz. We're talking 6'5", 180 on the outside with that kind of speed as a very dangerous weapon. You throw in uh, Parker Sorrells on the other side, that's another, it was, he, he's about 6'3". So you got two very tall receivers here to run on the outside with some good size. You're bringing back an experienced quarterback in Owen Smith. And you look around at that and you say, hey, I got pieces. I got things that I can uh, to, to continue to build on. An experienced offensive line there, older kids. I said, Owen Smith coming back with uh, the couple of years that he's had under center. And a uh, another bona fide target, because they lose Cam Little. I mean, and, and he was uh, he was a pretty darn good athlete for them. So to be able, hopefully, if Kurtz can replicate that, they'll they'll be okay. I don't know where to set the bar here because I still look at the schedule and I say, man, this is not an easy road for the Mavericks. Now, Garen is getting plenty of votes in 3A. West Lafayette is second in 3A. They should win against Muncie. 
Sword game is the sword game. I think you can, you got a chance, I think, with Logan's port. Kokomo's going to be tough. Jeff is going to be tough. Then you can finish up with Tech and Marion again here. So I think I got at least four games where they go in that I put them as a favorite. I think anything can happen in the sword game. And Lord knows they were they were close for a lot of that game. I think you have a chance to catch Garen off guard. I don't know if they can fulfill that, but I think there's definitely a chance week one, some teams just come out slow. And I think this is going to be an improved McCutcheon team. They could catch Garen off guard, but they got to play for all four quarters. It just has to happen. And if you can go out there and do that, then all of a sudden I think you've changed your trajectory a little bit here on the season. I think you've built some enthusiasm uh, with your players, instilled some confidence. You'll have to go over to West Lafayette and deal with a very fast and up-tempo team in West Lafayette that is going to be going up against a rather big offensive line in Harrison this week. Mavericks won't be the favorite in that. But let's say you out there and you compete with West Lafayette, you go out to Muncie Central, you win all of a sudden, I think you're filled with a lot of optimism going up against Harrison. I don't know necessarily that you come away as a favorite in that one, but it's a sword game, it's a rivalry game. All bets are off on those. I I really, you got to take out uh, who's really, really good, or if anybody is not very good at all, and you kind of throw that caution in the wing because anything happens in those games. Um, ordinary people do unordinary things in those type of games. And get another win at Logansport. Then you're looking at two tough ones with Kokomo Jeff, and then, you know, two games you're supposed to win by good amounts in Tech and Marion. And then we head into the sectional. We'll see what happens. But this is an intriguing team to me. Um... I don't know really where to set the bar with it. I expect some improvement. I don't know that it necessarily reflects in the uh, win-loss column this year. But I would would expect at least four wins out of them. At least. I know they've set the bar higher for themselves. But I think that if you get it to four and six this year... At least, or if you can turn around somehow, win a sectional game for the first time since 2019. I think you've continued to build momentum. You go into an offseason now where you've got the buy-in from all the kids there. You've got your system going. They're aware of it. You know them. They know you. You seem like you've got some underclassmen with some really good size for the lines coming up here. Get them a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And and that would be great. It's very hard to come in, take a 5A program, and just flip a switch and make it better. It's really hard to do at any level. But if you see that continued growth, I, I think you should be more than happy as a Mavericks fan. I mean, point blank right now, you're not the favorite to win the sectional. 
Harrison, Decatur Central, and Plainfield. You're, you're just not. But it definitely sounds like the staff is very enthusiastic about some of the pieces that it does have. I still do have some question marks on defense this year. Because that was an area that let them down. They found ways to score last season. But you gave up 45 to Garrett, 41 to West Lafayette, 38 to Harrison, 49 to Kokomo, 57 to Jeff. And you can't win football games like that. Doesn't matter, you know, how good you think you are on offense. You scored 41 against Tech, and that was the highlight there. But you're not doing that every week. That's the problem. You got to find a way to keep these uh, touchdowns under four on defense and give yourself chances to win football games. So we'll see how it goes here. Like I said, it's a very interesting schedule for them. Four games they should be favorited in. But if they come out and it's guns blazing against Garen Catholic and it starts clicking, then I will immediately raise my bar on my expectations for the Mavericks. But I think there's some very intriguing players, and uh, we'll see what happens with them. All right, we're going to take our final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Hammer Down Show. That is next on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer. Get ready to wrap up the Hammer Down Show here on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Time for a uh, couple of things that we may have missed. Um, I saw some people reacting to the Pat Fitzgerald. It's going to be a uh, parent volunteer at his kid's high school football team. I don't have a problem with it. Like, you know, the allegations against the program are all, you know, it's not good. He should know. Um, litigation's going to play out and stuff. It's all rather gray. But I don't have a problem doing this for a couple of reasons. One, you know, it's not like it's a random school or something like that. His kids do play there. Two, he is not in charge of anything. He has not run anything. He is not going to be, you know, into the the culture and stuff. He is there to help. And, you know, you could say what you want about what he has allegedly done here with some of those students at Northwestern. But I guess I don't have a problem with youth being able to get that level of tutelage um, under the supervision of what should be, you know, adults that are protective of those kids. Maybe it's a little bit hypocritical. But over the last couple of years, I've, I try to look at what we've been doing in this punishment cycle, especially with college athletes. I I find it more puzzling in the NFL. Like what what will get a six week or a full year suspension versus what gets one or two games? 
And one of the things I come to the conclusion of, especially the college game when we're talking about our, our young men and women here, is uh, they are prone to mistakes. Everybody's prone to mistakes. Everybody deserves second chances. But I think if you look at some of these situations and what some of these people are, uh, you know, these youth get accused of, I I would say, why are we taking them away from their programs, which uh, have that stability, uh, they have that uh, ability to uh, help these youth deal with the root cause of their issues and provide a stable environment for them to do that in, uh, in a watchful environment? I think there are some cases here where I, I sit and I ask myself, to take them away from that program seems like it's going to do more damage than good. I understand them not playing, but sometimes I go, why are we taking them away from the program completely? Because I think when you do that, you open up to more issues. And in this case here, you're getting that kind of collegiate-level um, tutelage from this guy uh, if those parents are okay with him being there, then I think uh, then that's fine. But I think if any of the parents are saying, I don't think that guy needs to be around my child, then yeah, no. I think he should excuse himself. Uh, I am also not shocked at this uh, recent report from Brett McMurphy yesterday uh, about the demise of the pack that uh, uh, Klitikoff tried everything to block UCLA to go to the Big Ten, including uh, using the Cal Regents, apparently, to put pressure uh, on folks to keep them there. And the fact that back in October of last year, ESPN offered the Pac-12 $30 million per school. But Georgie Boy here worked with a professor at his school, and this professor says, no, you're worth $50 million a school. So he went back to him and said, hey, $50 million a school. And ESPN said, we're good. Never mind. And took off. They had the money. That puts you on par with the ACC. You're the Pac-12. It's not Big Ten money. You weren't going to get Big Ten money. You're not going to get SEC money. But you should be on par with the ACC, perhaps, and the Big 12. Maybe you're in, you should be in that ballpark. And you let that slip through for what? I feel bad for Pac-12 fans. They sat, they sat on their laurels here during realignment. They said as much. They were going to wait and see. Then they became victims, and they missed out on the money that could have kept them together. Uh, this. This is how important a good league commissioner is. Now, nobody seemingly wants Cal and Stanford. And everybody else will settle for the Big 12. If they can get in. And if they can't get in there, please, please, Mountain West. We can make the Mountain West some kind of, you know... uh, a stronger conference, they keep on saying this, a stronger conference than the Pac-12. Let's <laughs> pump the brakes there just a little bit. You'd have some numbers. But $30 million, I mean, if you're Cal right now, you got to be ticked off by that. Because remember, they're sitting in a, ma- they're like UCLA, they got a massive debt. 
And Cowles is insane. And your conference commissioner walked away for $30 million? Dang, man. That's rough. All right, tomorrow, hey, we're going to get ready. It is week one of the high school football season. Sam King is going to join us, and we'll get his perspective on all five of your area teams. You don't want to miss out on that. Don't forget, we'll have the pregame show. Uh, we'll have um, Coach Terry Peebles. We'll have Coach Shane Fry on as we get set for that kickoff at 7 o'clock. So we'll start at 6.30 here with the pregame show tomorrow. We'll also recap what happens to tonight's uh, Purdue women's soccer game against UCF. Of course, we'll get you ready for weekend baseball and so much more. And let's not forget the Colts and the Bears are doing battle on Saturday, too. So we'll get the last words from training camp. All that and more tomorrow back here on the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. We'll see you in the